0: Filthy Henry and the Impossible Victim, Chapter 7 Sometimes a person can act in such a way that they impress even themselves. Filthy Henry always thought that most of his actions should be considered impressive, not caring one bit that self-praise was viewed by most people as no praise. The only reason people thought about false praise in such a manner was because they did not praise themselves enough. Presumably, because they never did anything that was impressive. If you managed to do something that was above and beyond, you deserved to pat yourself on the back. That was just how the world worked. After yourself, self-pat, you then sought pats from your peers. In today's strange and socially networked world, you possibly took a selfie or two and stuck it up on the internet. Failing that, you looked around your current location and made do with the best that there was on offer. Shelley, this is one of those times you should be greatly impressed, Filthy Henry said, gesturing at the page on the table. You just stole from a god, Shelley said, looking at the page as if it was about to explode. Not only a god, but a god that you can actually see and talk to, and who knows your name. The fairy detective shrugged. So? Lots of stuff's been stolen from gods by non-gods before. I'm sure you've never thought about how different the world would be if fire had never even been stolen. That's just a myth, Shelley said. Well, this time last year you thought the same about leprechauns, he said. It's still stealing, Shelley half-mumbled by way of the weakest closing argument in debating history. Filthy Henry placed Dagda's coin down on top of Ogma's page. No, look, I just borrowed it. Ogma's basically a magical librarian. Librarians love when people borrow things from them. It's what they live for. But Dagda clearly said to ignore those pages floating around his head. Besides, doesn't Ogma know everything that is happening? He'll know you stole it, and that we're standing in your kitchen looking at it once he writes it down in that book of his. Filthy Henry started to rub the fingers of his right hand together, like a flute player warming up before a curtain call. No, he only writes everything down. He needs to go read it again to actually know what's happening in the world. All record. No playback, I reckon. So we have a while to use it before he figures out we have it. That's even if he bothers to read anything today. I'm not even sure what he writes is 100% accurate. Shelley looked puzzled. Use it? Yeah. It's going to take a lot more juice than I will ever have to fire this thing up. Luckily, I've an endless supply of godly power to tap into. I'm running under the assumption here that all the pages are connected. What one knows, they all know. So we're going to use this one as a sort of magical interface. Do a little intel gathering. So what's with the salt? Is it part of some spell? Well, it keeps the page held in place, Filthy Henry said, eyeing the sheet on his kitchen table. Won't hide it or anything. Just stop it from magically vanishing on us, while at the same time not cutting its connection to the other pages. Let's get started, shall we? With his index finger, The fairy detective slid the gold coin along the surface of the page until it was in the bottom left corner. He closed his eyes and pressed down hard on the coin. In theory, this would work swimmingly. But the problem with theories was you had to prove them eventually. People had a theory that a town like Lucan was the centre of the universe, but nobody was able to prove that was true. Or even kind of true. Well, for a start, the maths was just too complicated. "'Asru Fwinov,' Filthy Henry said, sending a spark of his own magic into the golden object. The coin used energy from Dagda to work, that much the fairy detective knew. But there was no way Dagda was going to personally check what the magic was being used for each time. He would no doubt be content that the request had come via the coin and just siphon the energy accordingly. Since the coin was only meant to teleport people, why question anything at all? Meaning the coin was wide open to be abused assuming you were the sneaky-minded type who do such a dastardly thing. Filthy Henry just so happened to always think in a sneaky way, a personality trait he was more than a little proud to admit he had. The coin started to glow brightly. Excellent, Filthy Henry said with a grin. You're going to get us in so much trouble, Shelley said, before looking up the ceiling. I had no part in any of this. Relax, will you? There's no I in team, Filthy Henry said but there is an eye in Fireball and I'd really like not to have one launched at me today from the clouds. Filthy Henry shook his head and leaned against the table, balancing on his fists. He stared at the blank page and watched as the magical energy powered it. While Step 1 was a resounding success, the problem with trying to magically hack something was there were generally no instructions. Can we get this show on the road? Shelley asked, looking around the kitchen. Calm down already. This place is magically protected. No fairy entity can get in without me knowing about it. For that matter, no fairy type can get in full stop. Now be quiet while I try and figure out how to use this page to show me Miak's murder. Ogham's page made a strange sound, almost like paper being torn in two without moving at all. Suddenly words started to appear on the page of their own accord. They were written in a cursive style. The letters seemed to burn onto the page in a golden colour with a red tint. Line by line the page was filled with words. As they neared the bottom of the paper the writing started to scroll upwards like it was being displayed on a computer screen. Well that is neat, Shelley said leaning over the page. They both started to read. It was raining. At least that was what was written on Ogma's page and the night was dark. The field was entirely empty when Meek appeared from a puff of smoke. He was unsteady on his feet and looked about, confused and bewildered. Turning around, the young healing god caught sight of a housing estate in the distance, its lights illuminating the night like an oversized candle. He smiled and dropped to his knees, a single tear rolling down his cheek. From a second puff of smoke, the Ankecht appeared, floating slightly behind the kneeling Miek. Neither acknowledged the other. Miek held out his hand and conjured up a little scrap of paper with two words written on it. The deer. He clutched this tightly to his chest. Dien Kek drew a knife out from his belt and gripped Miek's shoulder in his right hand before repeatedly stabbing the young god in the back. Orange blood poured out of the wounds as Miek fell forwards into the dirt and grass, dead. A black cloud rose around Dien Kecht, enveloping him for an instant before both vanished from sight, leaving behind the young god's body. Shelley looked over at Filthy Henry as the last of the words left the page. It certainly is graphic, she said. The fairy detective was staring at the page, watching the last of the fiery letters fade away. He scratched his chin. What did Diane Kecht say to you in the cell? Where was he when this happened, he asked. Well, he was there, apparently, she said. Filthy Henry gave her a withering look. She flipped open her notebook and read through the few notes he had taken while speaking with the God of Healing. An old guy in Donegal had called on him for help in healing someone, and since he appeared in person, the old man invited him to have a cup of tea. "'Show us that,' Filthy Henry instructed the page, tapping it gently. Dian Keck knocked on the front door of the little cottage and waited. There was nothing and nobody for miles around in any direction. Not even streetlights.' The cottage stood in a sea of darkness amongst the shadows and night, as remote as a place could be before you accidentally started to hit civilization again. After a minute the door was opened by an elderly gentleman who stared at the god, wide-eyed. It's you, he said. Indeed, I'm Dean Kecht, the god said. I have come because you called for my help. But I've been druid for years and none of you have ever come in person when I invoked your help. The God of Healing smiled. Well, you caught me at a good moment, Ben. I wasn't very busy. I figured this one time the rules could be bent a little. Ben seemed upset by this statement. Ah, he said, looking down at the ground. So you can't really help me with this one, like you've helped in the past? Dian Kecht smiled, but it was a sad smile. Alas, I cannot. But in these cases, we like to let you know that you were never alone. This seemed to lift Ben's spirits. He stepped back and motioned for the god to come into the cottage. After Dianne Kecht entered, Ben led him into the small sitting room, where two armchairs stood before a roaring fire. A little teapot sat on a table, two cups and a jug of milk beside it. Ben dusted off a chair and nodded at the god of healing, before sitting down in the other seat. He picked up the teapot and started to pour. You'll do me the honour of having a cup of tea with me, Least I can do after all your help over the years, Ben said, looking over at the god and smiling. Oh, the honour's mine, Diane Kecht said, taking one of the cups with his right hand and sipping the black tea. Ben leaned back in his seat and nodded, looking into the flames of the fire. After a minute he stopped nodding, closed his eyes, and stooped forward. Dian Kecht leaned over and rested a hand on the elderly gentleman's head. May your good works here, regardless of religion, be rewarded in whatever afterlife you're now in, the god of healing said. Goodbye, old friend. With the end of her sleeve, Shelley dabbed at her eyes. That's so sad, she said, sniffing. Ben wanted to avoid dying from something and Diane Keck couldn't help. Filthy Henry snorted. Ah, typical as all that was. Not touching. The old guy was just trying to cheat death and attempted to abuse the fairy world to get what he wanted. You heartless sod, Shelley said. You're telling me you wouldn't use your magic to save someone from dying? Right then the fairy detective did something that everyone in the world does to avoid answering an awkward question. Played deaf and found something else to focus his attention on. Shelley saw him do it straight away, but before she could ask any further questions, he started to use the magical page again. Play back both those last stories. Side by side if he can. With timestamps of the event, he said. Again, the words started to appear on the page, this time like stories in a newspaper. In the left column was Meek's murder. The right showed Dian Kecht with the old man. Every line had a time and date inserted at the start, incrementing in minutes. When it came to Miak being stabbed the first time, Filthy Henry waved his hand over the page. Stop! Ogma's page did as instructed, the words pausing at the respective points in both stories. Filthy Henry placed the index finger of each hand at the timestamps in the two columns. See that, he said. Dian Kecht was stabbing Miek at the exact same time he was sipping from the teacup. Yeah, well, we knew that already, he told us. That's what we have been hard to figure out. Which Dian Kecht is doing what and where? Then again, aren't gods omnipresent beings? Well, despite what people think, they're not really. Gods can only be in one place at a given time. They can know what's going on everywhere at the same moment with some magical help but they can only be physically in one spot. Magic be damned. Meaning one of these guys is an imposter but more importantly read those last two lines. Shelley read the lines he pointed at again and shrugged. Okay what am I missing? Last time I checked very few people were ambidextrous Filthy Henry said. If Dian Kecht was drinking tea with his right hand then how come he was stabbing his son with his left? That suggests that the killer favoured his left hand. So whoever killed Miek is left-handed. That was something Shelley had missed completely on her first reading of the two scenes. The same god had used both hands naturally without any trouble at all. It was a clue, one that could presumably be used to prove Dian Kek's innocence. But then again, why would it matter? A being that was capable of creating anything from thin air Surely had no problem changing which hand they favoured. They were not as restricted as humans. But he is a god, after all. Maybe he can use both hands. Filthy Henry shrugged. Maybe, but I doubt it. In the fairy world, it's an extremely rare thing for that to happen, just as it is with humans. Even if he can use both hands without any bother, there is no way that the Kecht was in two places at once. Also, the one visiting the old man was walking while the one doing the killing was floating above the ground. Why exactly? It isn't like he needed the extra height. But let's think for a minute. Ogma either writes down exactly what happens, or merely what is observed to be happening. Sheedy, who killed Miek. The fairy detective tapped the page once. All the words faded from sight, to be replaced with two that appeared in the very middle. Dian kicked. filthy Henry read out aloud. So... Because it looks like he did it, Ogma wrote that down, which explains why we can't just teleport to who the killer is using the coin. The gods really don't know themselves. I'm guessing that Dagda can only send us to places based off what Agma has recorded. Let's see if somebody else has an alibi then. Where was Brez at the time of the murder? Previously, Ogma's page had come back almost instantly with an answer. This question, however, seemed to be causing it some difficulty. After a few seconds a single message appeared on the paper. Brez was not in this realm at the time in accordance with the rules, Shetty read out. Ogma did say that he recorded everything that happened in Dagda's realm and the fat man himself said we could use the coin to teleport about his realm freely. So if Brez wasn't around at the time of Meek's murder then where the hell was he? Filthy Henry looked up from the page and stared out the kitchen window thoughtfully. One last question, Shetty. "'the fairy detective said to the page. "'Was the blade used to kill Meek "'magically enchanted in any way at all?' "'All the words vanished from the page "'to be replaced with a single one written at the very top. "'No,' Shelley read aloud. "'No. What does that mean?' "'Filthy Henry snorted. "'It means that something very strange is going on. "'Cause last time I checked, "'you can't kill a god as easily as you can a person.' It takes a little more than your average kitchen knife to wound a supremely powerful being, regardless of whether the weapon is enchanted or not. Half the old tales of mortals battling gods always involved the mortal going to find some rare and hard-to-control magical weapon, just the right side of god-killing powerful. Shelley was impressed. Despite acting like an idiot most of the time, the fairy detective clearly had some smarts and that insulting brain of his. But she still wanted an answer to her question from before. It was like an itch she really wanted to scratch. Well, look at you, brain box. Now, come on, tell me the truth. I'll even tell you who I'd save from death using something from the fairy world. If you tell me who you would first. Oh, for Dagda's sake, drop it already, Filthy Henry said, pushing back his chair, getting to his feet and storming out of the kitchen. It's just a question, Shelley said after him. She suspected something was up with Filthy Henry. He wasn't usually so evasive but she decided to leave him alone so that he would calm down after being asked a fairly harmless question and look down at Ogma's page, a page that could presumably answer anything. A thought occurred to her then, one that was hardly original in the grand scheme of things. Filthy Henry was beyond private, to the point that you would think he worked for some sort of spy agency. He never used his last name for anything at all, and Shelley had started to think that his first name might actually be Filthy. His reasoning was that if the fairy world ever learned his surname it would cause trouble for his family a family that he never spoke of nor went to visit. This could have been for protection, by avoidance but still Shelley had wanted to learn more about the man the only ever human fairy half-breed to survive past her first year. She turned on her fairy vision and looked at the shining white page on Filthy Henry's dirty kitchen table. The coin in the corner pulsed gently with a golden light and little tendrils of energy connected it to the page. One tendril floated up through the air and disappeared into the ceiling. Shelley assumed that all this magic still around meant the page was still powered, without the need for the fairy detective to be in the room. With a slight sense of trepidation, Shelley moistened her lips and focused on the question she was about to ask. She reached down and touched the bottom left corner of the page with the little finger on her right hand. Tell me how Filthy Henry's parents met and who they are. For a moment it seemed like the page was going to do nothing. Then letters started racing across the page, just as before. Shelley stared at it, wide-eyed and as excited as a kid on Christmas morning. She started to read the words aloud to herself. On a bright summer's day, before she could continue, a fat hand with chubby fingers slammed down on the page, startling Shelley. Sometimes a lot of knowledge is a little dangerous, Dagda said. This most definitely does not belong to either of you. Shelley could feel her heart pounding in her chest. How did you get in? Henry said the apartment is magically sealed. Dagda lifted Ogma's page out from the salt circle, sliding it from underneath his coin, and shook it like a Polaroid picture. He tossed it into the air where it vanished from sight. Please, Shelley. I'm still a god after all. I see I need to put in some safety features on my coin. Filthy Henry came back into the kitchen, fists at the ready. When he saw Dagda, the fairy detective rolled his eyes. Well, if it isn't the Fat Father, he said. I thought we'd get away with it for a little longer. Fat Father? Shelley asked. Yeah. Odin used to be called the Father by his people. I figured Daggy over here would like a new title. Dagda let out a deep sigh. It will never catch on, the Chief of the Gods said. Now come on, both of you. Let's go get some lunch. Filthy Henry, The Impossible Victim is book two of the Filthy Henry series by Derek Power. This completely free audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. Other Filthy Henry books are available to buy on Amazon Kindle.